I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Thomas Wharton joins me now. The award-winning writer has just published a new novel, The Book of Rain. It's described as an affecting work of environmental literary suspense. In the, in the book, we meet Alex Hewitt as he returns to River Meadows, a resource community somewhere in northern Alberta. They used to mine a resource that was quite valuable, but they've since stopped since an accident forced evacuation. Alex is back, though, to find his sister Amory, who's disappeared rescuing animals trapped in the restricted zone. Another story in the book is that of Claire Foley, a young woman who was from River Meadows who now traffics endangered wildlife. And there's a third story where, in the future, a flock of birds sets out on a dangerous journey to prevent the extinction of their ancient enemy, humanity. I'll ask Mr. Wharton about his book and ask him to tell us as much as he'd like about his stories and his characters. Thomas Wharton's first novel, Icefields, won the 1996 Commonwealth Writers' Prize for Best First Book in Canada and the Caribbean. It was also a 2008 CBC Canada Reads pick. His second book, Salamander, was shortlisted for the 2001 Governor General's Award for Fiction and a finalist for the Writer's Trust Fiction Prize. His 2006 book, The Logogriff, was shortlisted for the International Dublin Literary Award. The website for more is at thomaswharton.ca. He lives in Edmonton but joined me from Toronto last week. This new book is published by Random House. Please uh, welcome uh, to the Plant Online program, Thomas Wharton. Mr. Wharton, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you. This book is, um, I guess it's not really set in the future, is it? The not-too-distant future, I guess. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah, I guess, or you could say a kind of alternative near future, something like that. Parts of it are, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, There is a part that's set in the far future as well. Yeah, and so so the 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 reason I bring that up is because early in the book, um, uh, Alex is on a plane, mm-hmm. and um, he's sort of navigating what we're doing right now. How do we interact with people um, mm-hmm. after the last three years of the pandemic? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's it's interesting. I you know it, I'm, I'm looking at the book now and seeing it. It's kind of weirdly prophetic because all of that was written before the pandemic even happened. Really? Those scenes. And, and so, if anything, I just kind of sharpened what, you know, sharpened the, the, the scenario in the book based on what I went through in the pandemic myself. But a lot of it was written before that. And, and so what is it like for you as a writer who, who, who wrote part of that mm-hmm. and... Um, had to live through the last three years. I mean, did, did you feel feel that you knew we were where we were headed, say? No, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, when I say the book was prophetic, I don't mean I was. I just think, <laughs> I think just by, by accident, I happened to touch on, you know, some of the dread and some of the difficulties that we ended up going through. Um, you know, but for me, it was, it was, uh, there was, there was both bad and good about the pandemic. And, you know, the bad was like so many other people have said, it was, Cutting, cutting me off from from the world and all yeah. of that, but at the same time, boy, I had a lot of time to write. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I I did manage to get a lot of writing done eventually. At first, it kind of threw me off completely, but, but once the sort of solitude settled in, uh, I, I I made good use of it. 
So, so what is it like for you now? You, you, you've been traveling. Obviously, you're in Toronto, where I reach you today. Um, mm -hmm. Does it feel like um, back to before? Or I mean, I hate to use the word normal, but I mean, do, do you feel? Um, how do you feel? Do, do you feel that that there's a different sense in, in in the way that you move around the world now? Yeah, I think so, and I'm not entirely sure I can put my finger on it, but I just think everyone feels that the world has changed slightly, you know? Mm. And maybe we're all just kind of traumatized and we're still we're still dealing with that. You know, we're we're going along with our ordinary lives, but but things just feel a little bit off. Uh and yeah, so I don't I don't think I'm alone in that at all. Yeah, um, the, the book of rain. Uh, I'm I'm in the midst of it right now, and and as I was telling you just before we started, um, it, it's awfully compelling. I'm I'm mm -hmm. drawn to the characters and and what's going to happen, but I I have to say I'm not enjoying it per se. I I, I find mm -hmm. I'm I'm feeling this dread, and and um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess I'm not um, a sense of worry, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And at the same time, I can see um, sort of this urgency um, mm -hmm. as I'm, I'm reading. I, I feel like, the, oh. you know, so, so the, with every page, there's something, you know, turning around the corner. What is it like to, to say, write something like that and pace it as you do? Well, I, I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're feeling dread, then I think I've succeeded at least in part in what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, um, there, there's, there's a certain quality of, of that that went into this. Um, there's definitely a kind of urgency. Uh, it, you know, it's a, a lot of it is about animals. Mm -hmm. um, that the human characters aren't the only ones affected by things that happen. Also, you know, animals are as well. And that was really kind of the core of this was to, to write a novel in which animal animals are you know as important to the story as people are. Uh, you know, that the the tradition of the novel is a tradition of about of writing about humans and human society and human conflicts uh, and most of the time animals are either completely non-existent in in fiction or they're backdrop right yeah and I just I wanted to write a novel that expanded the concerns to other living things uh, because I feel that that's really the world we live in it, you know the, the book has fantastic fantastical elements but at the same time, I think if realism wants to really be realism, it has to, you know, I think the novel has to expand into areas that it, it maybe hasn't yet all that much. Um, and, and that means like animal lives and, and plants and, and, and nature and so on, the, the sort of whole environment. Yeah, you, you give voice to that. And, and mm -hmm. um, for... for um a lot of people who read the Book of Rain, the wonder where that comes from, or how do you come to to sort of say have that understanding and mm -hmm. um, write about animals and and plants in the natural world as you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it sort of takes a, a kind of a special writer to do that, don't you think? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think I I come at things by way of books, by way of writing, and by way of reading. That's just kind of my temperament. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily like to take the world on directly. Um, so my way of exploring something that I'm curious about or worried about is, is to write about it. Well, first to read about it, and then, and then if it really 
possesses me then to write about it. So, so it just, you know, like any other of the books that I've written, there's something that takes a hold of me and I have to kind of, you know, deal with it through the writing process. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 in a funny kind of way, it's, it's, um, it's a process of discovery that, that surprises me. Like, I always like to be the first, in a sense, the first reader of my own book. I like to be surprised yeah. by where it goes and what happens in it. Does it surprise you, though, uh, Thomas, that um, not everybody sees the world or, or um, the creatures around us the, the way you do? I mean, the, um, if, if more people saw the world like you did, it would probably be uh, a better world, a sustainable world, say. Well, I, you know, I think people, we, we you know, we're all, we all have our concerns, and and we're we're trying to make a life for ourselves. We're, you know, we're 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 uh, we we sort of stick. Our, our focus is, is very sort of you know on on what's happening to us right now, and you know, if, if anything, I, I I hope a reader of this book would just be reminded that that uh, well, a couple of things. First, be reminded that. Animals too, you know. Animals yeah. and plants also have their own lives, and they're concerned about getting by in the world, and they're struggling too. And, and uh, so there's a lot more. We have a lot more in common with other animals than I think most people think. Um, and also, just yeah, if, if this book, you know, if, if a reader of this book was to was to put it down and to go outside, and then just for a, a minute notice bird that they maybe never paid any attention to before because they were they were focused on whatever they wanted to do that day if they if it, if, if the book can make somebody stop and just maybe listen or look at a bird for five minutes and, yeah. and just think about about other living things on on the planet then then i'd feel happy about that yeah i mean the, 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 i usually hear sort of noises outside birds calling one mm-hmm. another say or something like that and and um I wonder what they're saying. Naturally, I wonder what's mm-hmm. happening. First of all, it, 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 it mm-hmm. m- must be something um, out of the ordinary. Otherwise, um, I would have noticed it. Say, mm-hmm. and usually yeah. that's a, a bird, you know, calling mm-hmm. somebody because something's happened. Um, yeah. Another person might hear that and think it's terribly annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like everybody else, I have my days where I I go about my business and I don't I don't notice. Uh, I don't notice birds or anything else about the natural world either. But it's funny, yeah, we, 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 we tend to uh, associate bird song with being beautiful and melodious. And, and most of the time, what they're actually saying to each other is something like, you know, hey, this is my territory, get the hell away from here. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, so, so they have their conflicts and, and their attempts to, to, to find a mate and all those other things that, that we do, you know? Yeah. The, the, this place, um, uh, River Meadows. Where where is it? Oh well, it's uh, it's it's well, it's like what Melville says in Moby Dick about Queegwegs Island. He says it's not down in any map. It's not <laughs> down on any map. It's true places never are. Yeah. And so that's where River Meadows is. It's not down on any map. But I, you know, if I had to vaguely point to where it is, I I would point kind of in the direction of northeastern Alberta, where the oil sands are. So so one of the first characters we meet in the book is Alex Hewitt, and mm-hmm. he has a history with um, River Meadows. And mm-hmm. as we meet him, he's heading back there after mm-hmm. um, um, a significant time away, I guess. Is that right? 
That's right. Yeah, the the the, the town because of a catastrophic accident at the at the mining facility uh, where they're mining this strange ore called Ghost. Uh-huh. Uh, because of that, the, of this accident, the entire town has been evacuated, and no one's ever come back there or to live. And uh, so he is forced to come back to River Meadows because his sister has remained there. She's been trying to rescue animals who are trapped in this in this forbidden zone uh, where strange, weird things happen to time and space. Uh, and so she's disappeared in this place, and Alex has to come back there. He doesn't want to, yeah. but he has to come back and see if he can find out what happened to his sister. And and that's uh, Amory. Is that how you pronounce her name? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this uh, this this ore ghost. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, at first, it's a very valuable uh, commodity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot like oil. Yeah. <laughs> big big hint there. That's yeah. Big metaphoric hint there. <laughs> and then, um, um, because of this accident, it's. Um, I guess it's not safe, is it, to to, to be there? That's right. It, 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 uh, this is where the, the you know the science fiction element comes in. That that this zone around the accident site um, has these strange warpages of time and space, and and you can get, for example, caught as if you're being held by some invisible force, and you can, you know you won't be able to get away. So there's all kinds of dangers in this place, and and so Alex ends up. Uh, getting together with uh, uh, a friend of Amory's, mm-hmm. Lucio, mm-hmm. who is one of the few people who knows how to how to navigate their way through this this forbidden zone. So the two of them go together to see if they can find Amory. There's another story in in uh, uh, a storyline, I should say, throughout the book, and and that is of Claire's. Um, mm-hmm. She has a connection to River Meadows. That's right. She she used to live there when she was a teenager, and she she and Alex sort of vague we knew each other uh and uh but she she moves away from there uh, like everyone else does and she ends up becoming a trafficker of illegal animal parts illegal wildlife uh, as a way to to make money and and uh be free um but you know she in the novel she kind of comes face to face with uh you know her own choices in life and and uh what it is she does for a living and and um, she's kind of forced into a dilemma about what she's going to do from this point on. So you've got you've got the story of Alex. You've got the story of Claire. Uh, mm-hmm. Later in the book, Michio um, uh, comes into focus as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then throughout the book, there, there's this history of River Meadows, um, mm-hmm. a sort of written history, if you will, um, mm-hmm. something you'd, you'd you'd get out of a book or an encyclopedia, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the all weather notebook. That's not just a chronicle, say, of the weather but one mm-hmm. of a family, a diary of some sorts. Is that right? That's right. That's Amory's. Uh, Amory has always kept journals, and she's gone into the into the Forbidden Zone, and, and Michio has some of those journals. And it was a way for me to give Amory a voice because she's pretty much absent through most of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I needed to find a way to bring her perspective into the story, and, and so I used those journals as the way that she she gets across who she is and what what it is she's doing in this place. This is what I found fascinating as I was reading the book was was that uh, with each chapter and each sort of um, different focus, if you will, on mm-hmm. whether it's a character or the kind of writing, say, as I've just alluded to, the, the, the sort of the history and then the sort of diary, um, mm-hmm. 
we get to, to obviously uh, uh, move move forward with the story. Um, but the the focus has changed, obviously, with with what we're thinking about or reading about in in each chapter. Mm-hmm. Are you writing differently with each chapter? Say with, with, with each different kind of writing, if you will. Uh, well, the, the the different focuses and the different parts of the, of the novel came about because uh, it, I, it originally this this was three different novels which mm. I hadn't been able to finish. Um, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted to write about animals. I wanted to write a sort of, you know, urgent book with a, with a fantasy kind of element. Um, and so I, I, I started one and I got stuck. So I tried a different story and then I got stuck. And I was starting to get pretty desperate about whether I could actually finish a novel anymore. You know, maybe I was finished as a novelist. So in, in, um, a kind of act of desperation, I, I just told myself, what would happen if I threw all of these stories into the same file and said they all have to be part of the same book and that kind of unleashed that allowed me that was the kind of key to to making it work was to to think of it like a puzzle and i had to find the ways that these stories were going to interconnect with each other and then you know doing that i realized that that really kind of fit the theme of interconnectedness right it's it's great the great rule of ecology is everything is interconnected, everything affects everything else, and so putting the novel together that way as a kind of puzzle where everything everything connects made sense thematically. It's very effective because I'm, I'm reading one chapter, say, and mm-hmm. I want to know more about a certain person or certain sort of situation that they're in, and mm-hmm. then the chapter ends, and then we're, we're on to something new. Yeah, um, well, that's, that's the uh, Thousand and One Nights uh, trick is the storyteller's trick, right? <laughs> you, you you make the reader want to know more, and then you stop. Yeah, and then they have to they have to keep going on in order to get the rest. Of it. Yeah, and then but you can't you can't skip ahead because there's something you've drawn us into this this other uh, storyline, and it and mm-hmm. um, then then this all plays out in one's head and trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a marvelous experience to 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 to. to be in the midst of the book. What comes up first for you, Thomas? The character or the storyline? Say. Well, actually, it's it's more like images. Mm. You know, it, it's almost like dreams. And and I, I, I had a, an article come out recently um, in the Globe and Mail about uh, lucid dreaming. And for me, the bits and pieces of a book start almost like kind of dreams that are hazy and and uh, you know who is this and what are they doing and and. And, and I kind of, I have all sorts of questions as the writer about, about that. And so slowly it starts to, as I write and write and write, it, it gains more and more focus. And I understand who the characters are and I understand what, what the story is, but, but it's a kind of slow process of taking those initial images uh-huh. and emotions. You know, that usually these images are associated with some kind of emotion and then just kind of figuring out who this is happening to and why. So, what is it like for you as, as as the writer to live with the the dread that the reader feels? I mean, there, there is a sort of worry, as I was mm-hmm. saying earlier, about what's going to happen, and 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 of course we're we're, we're um, casting that image against whatever's happening in the real world, if you will, mm-hmm. um, the sort of existential threat that we're all feeling, mm-hmm. not just during the pandemic, but um, the climate emergency and 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 everything else that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, is that? I mean, that can't be all enjoyable for you as a writer. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think I think 
the writing is a way of kind of dealing with it, trying to understand how I feel about things or, or trying to, to gain some measure of, I don't even want to, I'm not sure control is the right word. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, if, you know, if there's dread in reading it, there's, it's, it's, it's coming off of some of my own worries and concerns about, about the world and, and the damage that we do to it and which ends up being the damage we do to ourselves. So, you know, in, in the acknowledgments at the end, uh, I, 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 you know, I say to the children of the future, I hope you live in a world, I hope you grow up in a world filled with bird song. Mm. And I really, really do. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not actually all that pessimistic a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, these things do certainly weigh on my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, where, where does the hope come from then for you? Uh, well, I think it, it comes a lot from, from the way that people can, you know, eventually, when they realize a threat, they can come together and find solutions. And I, I think we're seeing, you know, that more and more, hap- you know, happening more and more. Um, and I just, you know, I have some of, I have heroes. Most of my heroes are, if they're not writers, they're, they're scientists or they're people like um, um, Jane Goodall or, or Greta Thunberg who, who are just amazing at kind of waking the world up to things. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways, Amory, the character of Amory in the book, is my tribute to people like that who are just so dedicated to, to um, the things that, you know, I think we all should be dedicated to, but we can't or, or won't or, or, or um, you know, don't. So. Uh, Thomas, you um, mentioned a moment ago about um, uh, um, in the midst of writing this book that, that you were having trouble with the, these sort of three different stories and then deciding mm-hmm. to put them together. And then you, 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 you mentioned that you, you wondered if uh, you could still write. Mm-hmm. Um, now that the book is out, um, it's, it's just coming out now, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the notices will be quite good, um, does that feeling of wondering if you can still do it, does, 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 you, you probably don't feel that now, do you? Uh, well, I think uh, every writer kind of feels that when they when they start something, you know, the, the, mm. or they or they just finish something, they they have that existential moment of now what do I do and can I still <laughs> do this and you know, uh, uh, but it's it's part of the process and I, I've just learned over time that there have to be those moments when you feel kind of lost as a creative person and and feel like you wonder whether you can ever do anything again. You just have to go through that. And find your way through it. And I've just learned to trust that that you know there's going to be something again. Like I say, is going to grab hold of me so much that I will have to explore it, and it'll end up you know hopefully turning into another book or three. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you write? Do you, um, because in this case you, you mentioned three different stories. Um, mm-hmm. um, Putting it together later uh, is a different kind of writing than, say, sitting down and, and, and writing one out at a time, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's, 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 it's a process where generating the rough draft for me is it's almost like I'm taking dictation from some part of my mind that I can't consciously access. And so yeah. the stuff comes out really, really quickly, usually. Um, and, then, and then it has to sit for a while, and it has to kind of... I don't know, um, age for a while or something. Uh, and then the, the part of this that I just 
love the most is the is the revising and the polishing. Mm. You know, the, the part that's really you know kind of struggling is, is to get the stuff out um, to begin with. But I love, I just love taking some raw material and, as I say, you know, kind of finding the hidden links and the, and the sort of the imagery that's going to tie it all together. And, uh, yeah, I know a lot of writers say that they. They, they hate revising, but to me, weirdly enough, that's my favorite part. That's fascinating you say that because it, it, it almost seems like it, it well, you, you just alluded to as you were writing, it's coming from somewhere that you can't figure out. Um, mm-hmm. When you're revising, it must feel like someone else wrote it. I mean, you can detach yourself, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that often, I often have that feeling like, did I write this? You know? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today, Thomas. Congratulations on the book and, and good luck with it. I, I appreciate your time today. Oh, thanks very much, Joseph. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you too. The website for more is at thomaswharton.ca. The book is called The Book of Rain. It's published by Random House. Its author Thomas Wharton joined me on the line from Toronto and Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunter. <laughs>